we're turning this morning in our Bible to the book of Colossians, we're going to read from Colossians chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 18 to the end of the chapter. Colossians chapter 2, we're reading from verse 18. We're reading again from the authorized version. Some lovely pictures yesterday sent to me from the um, National History Museum in Edinburgh. Brother Ryan was there, and uh, it was good uh, to see those pictures again, just reaffirming uh, the um, history in Scotland in its uh, relationship with this most faithful and reliable translation uh, that we call uh, the authorized. Let's hear the word of God. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands of nourishment ministered, and knit together, Increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility. And neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now this morning, we are continuing with our series of expository sermons in the book of Colossians. Now today my text is found in Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 that I have already read to you. We're thinking of the theme today, not holding the head or helping the body. The text reads, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands of nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? So we're thinking of this theme now, not holding the head or helping the body. And this is really the first part of a two-part sermon. Remember the context. The Apostle Paul is exposing false teachers at Colossae. He does so by dealing with their core errors. Remember, they've come into the church there. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. They're using enticing words. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. What are enticing words? Well, these false teachers were using religious terms. They're saying all the right words. Jesus Christ, God, the Bible, heaven, hell, salvation. While they're using the right words, it's actually a deliberate ploy, a deliberate strategy of being deceitful. Because the words they use completely are given a different meaning to what we would understand the meaning to be. 
So while they're trying to sound true and trying to sound sincere, the reality is they're not. Let me give you a modern day illustration. You've heard of neo-orthodoxy. Well, neo-orthodoxy, if you asked them, do you believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? Absolutely. Well, did it happen historically? Was there a real person called Mary who immaculately conceived? No, it didn't happen historically. It didn't happen in time. This is what the neo-orthodox says. Was it real? No. Not historically, no. But if you believe it, it's real to you. Or Jesus Christ is our creator. Did he historically create the world in six days? No, but that doesn't matter, they argue, as long as you believe it, it's real to you. What about the Bible being infallible and errant? Um, no, as, but as long as you believe it to be, it, it's okay. And the resurrection, heaven and hell. You see, what the, the, the neo-Orthodox crowd are doing is it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It doesn't matter whether it happened historically. As long as we say we believe it, then it's, it's true to you. And that's what they were doing in Colossae. That's what they were using enticing words. That's what it means. Uh, we add it then, chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, look at this. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And it, those words, not after Christ, Paul sets forth the supremacy and absolute sufficiency of Jesus Christ in his person and work. Chapters 2, verses 9 to 10. And then from verse 11, he begins to warn against the deadly error of the false teachers. Remember, there's two elements. There's a Jewish element. Verse 11 through to 17. These false teachers in Colossae started to question the true spiritual state of the converts in Colossae. They, they were arguing, you can't be saved. You can't be complete in Christ. You're raw pagans. You see, it was beyond their understanding that you could be placed in Christ in a full, complete, organic union uh, with Christ fit for heaven. They were saying, it can't be. Impossible. These raw pagans, you're not circumcised. You must try and keep the law. What about the holy days, the festivals, the new moons, the diets? You, you, you need to add these to Christ to make you full and complete. And here's the Apostle Paul emphatically says no. He reminds them that they've been spiritually circumcised in Christ in an act of regeneration. He, he tries to teach them all you need for heaven and home is found in Christ. The false teachers, some in the church couldn't see it. They, they didn't believe it. Too simple, too easy, they argued. But we get asked the question, well, what makes a person a true Christian down here on earth? And here's the answer, Christ alone. It's not Christ plus anything. Christ plus anything's heresy. Salvation is in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. He dealt with the Jewish element. Then he added the Gnostic pagan element, verse 18. Let no man beguile you. Remember the false teachers? We saw this last week. You need the help of angels. They act as intermediaries between you and God. You must worship them. You must pray to them. You must seek help from them. Apostle Paul says, no. You're missing the truth. Do you not see the all-sufficiency of Christ? What you're teaching and saying is based in human reasoning, not what the Bible says, because the Bible says, for there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So the mediator's not Mary. It's not the Pope. It's not saints and it's not angels. You see, there's nothing new under the sun. Even what Roman Catholicism teaches about uh, other mediators other than Christ is, is rooted here in this Gnostic element, this pagan element that was being introduced just into the church at Colossae. 
And then Paul adds this. Here's the root problem of the false teachers. Here's the root problem with their false teaching. Look at verse 19. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands of nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. What does that mean? And not holding the head. It means not holding Christ. Or not holding on to Christ. Or not holding fast to Christ. Or not holding Christ tightly. See, some maybe were holding Christ loosely and lightly. Or others didn't hold him at all. And Paul is saying, the man who says that he's not holding the head, which is Christ, he's cut off from Christ. He's cut off from the life of Christ. He's cut off from all the blessings that is found in him. You see, here's an absolute statement of fact. I'm not holding the head. Now, what does that mean? Let me just try and explain this. They were ignorant of the head's identity. When he said, I'm not holding the head, notice the, 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 the capital H there, who's he referring to? Who is the head? Well, there's only one answer. That is Jesus Christ. We could link this all the way back to chapter 2 and verse 8, think of the words, and not after Christ. Listen to verse 10, chapter 2. And ye are complete in him, that's Christ, which is the head of all principality and power. You see, to hold the head, you must know who the head is, and that head must be the right head who is Jesus Christ. There's no mystery. So I ask this question. Do you know him this morning? Is he your Lord and Savior? Was there a time when you were born again of the Holy Spirit and your heart was drawn to Christ? Jonathan Goforth's heart was warm to Christ when he was 18 and he heard the call to receive Christ as Lord and Savior and that's exactly what he did. There was a time in his life, 18 years of age, when he come and confessed his sin. When he cried out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Remember Peter, he called on the Lord. Lord, save me, I perish. The Bible says, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you confessed your sin to him? Have you called on him, save me, Lord? Have you actually come to him in an act of faith and received him as Lord and Savior? Do you have a heart that desires to live for him? That you know you're not only under his saviorhood, but you're under his lordship. Like Thomas, you can say, my Lord and my God. You see, the head is Christ. And he's the only true living head of the church. Listen again to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10. And you're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In other words, he is above them. He is over them. He holds absolute power over them. He's the one who calls the shots. This morning, even though I'm the minister here and have been for 23 years, I'm only the under-shepherd under Christ. And that's very important that you grasp that, you young people. Jesus Christ is the only true head of the church. If we were talking this morning about the teaching of the Jehovah Witnesses, do you know that they teach that Jesus Christ is only a God? He's not the second person of the Holy Trinity. He's not the only begotten Son of God. He's not the eternal Son of God. 
And the Christ that they talk about, and they mention his name in Jehovah Witnesses' circles, but the Christ that they talk about is not the true Christ. It's a false Christ. It's not the Christ of the Bible. It's not the true head of the church. If we were to think of the teaching of Mormons, do you know that they teach that Jesus Christ is a God among gods? Mormonism teaches polytheism, many gods. Jesus Christ, just another God. Another emanation from God, the highest emanation from God. Joseph Smith, he also believed that he was progressing to become a God. And everybody in the Mormon cult, they're progressing to become gods. But again, it's the wrong Christ. It's not the Christ of the Bible. It's not the true head of the church. Remember, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. If we examine the teaching of Roman Catholicism this morning, they talk about Christ. But they add that the Pope is the vicar of Christ. In other words, he's his representative on earth. The Pope claims that he's the only one that can interpret the Bible, not even the cardinals who are below him. And the bishops below them, he alone has that power. He alone has that ability. He tells the cardinals and the bishops and the clergy how to interpret the Bible. He, he tells them which traditions to embrace. He tells them what is binding on their conscience and what is not. He tells them which church fathers spoke the truth in certain matters. He tells them what the oral traditions are. That's traditions outside of scripture. Which are to be believed, which are true. So if Augustine said this, the Pope can come along and say Augustine's not true. Uh, Thomas Aquinas could say something else and he could come along, that's the Pope, and say, this is not true. Why? Because he, he, he claims to have that authority. He, he claims to be the vicar of Christ on earth. But when you examine the Pope's claims, when you examine his teaching, say to the Pope, well, you're infallible. You've got this special gift of authority to interpret the Bible. You, you claim to be the vicar of Christ on earth. But you teach the Immaculate Conception of Mary. You teach that Mary is preserved sinless. You teach the bodily assumption of Mary. That Mary is a co-redeemer with Christ. That Mary sits in heaven as the queen in heaven. That, that Mary is the dispenser of all grace. Or do you find it in the Bible? Well, we don't find it. Isaiah 8 and 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. You see, he claims to be the head of the church, but he's not the true head of the church. He's a false head. And you can hold to the wrong head, ignorant of the head's identity. And you see, the, the, the Bible speaks to us and presents Christ as the only head of the church. Listen to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Listen to the Baptist Confession, 1688. Nor can the Pope of Rome in any sense be the head thereof, but is that Antichrist, that man of sin, the son of perdition, that exalteth himself in the church against Christ, and all that Christ is called God. And when you examine Colossians chapter 2, in fact, take in 1 and 2, you discover, I can't go through them this morning, there's 10 truths revealed about Christ. And 10 is the number of government. And it ties in to this thought. The head. Who is the head? It's Christ. He's presented as God's dear son. He's presented as king. He's presented as redeemer. He's presented as creator. He's presented as the image of God. The first begotten from the dead. The head of the church. It's all here. 
ignorant of the head's identity, but they're also ignorant of the head's supremacy. You see, if you look at our text, it says, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands of nourishment ministered. Christ is the head and the church is the body. And the head and the body are joined in a living, organic unity. And Paul is teaching, you don't need a Jewish pagan element to add to Christ. All you need is him. And Christ is the key to grow in grace. And the false teachers don't hold to the head. But those who hold fast to the head... Because they're found in a living, organic union with him, they find the key to spiritual growth and to spiritual maturity. He's basically telling the church, don't be enamored with things other than Christ. See, many of them were caught up with a shadow, the shadow of the law. They wanted diets and days and dates. But they ignored the reality that is found in Christ. Because the shadow pointed to the substance, which is Christ. You, you think of someone hugging a shadow. That's what they were doing. But they were not hugging the Savior. They, they were not holding him. They had a set of rules, but, but not a special relationship. And there's a difference. A, a loving, living, organic relationship is Christ because he's the living head. And if you forsake him, don't hold fast to him, then you'll die. You've no partner lot with him. You're, you're not in him. You see, the head's the most important part of the body. See, the body's nothing without the head. You think of the other parts of the body, the torso, the arms, the legs, the feet, the toes, the hands. But what are they without a head? They're dead. They're lifeless. They're not alive. Without the head, the body is lifeless. The body is useless. And whenever you begin to understand, I'm in Christ if you've received him as Lord and Savior, then you have begun a living, organic, saving relationship. You have a saving union in Christ. And of course, you, you must maintain that relationship. Why? Because you're a member of a body that's joined to a living head. As I've said, the limb is useless without the head. But with the head, the limbs are alive. The limbs can move. The limbs can work together. You see, how many this morning attend church and they engage in an outward motion of worship? They keep religious rules, but they forget the chief fundamental question. Am I joined to Christ? Am I in the living head? Am I in living union first and foremost with him? Because everything else is useless Unless you're joined to Christ. Now Paul adds this body metaphor. And not holding the head from which all the body. By joints and bands have nourishment ministered. Now, now think of this. You see whenever we talk about the church being the body of Christ. We're, we're thinking about the church universally. All believers. From saved Adam to the last elect sinner. In every age. From every place. The sum total of all of God's redeemed people, a, a mega body of people, people in earth, people in heaven, joined in a, a, a living, 
um, saving union with a real living head, a universal church in, 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 in union with Christ, but also in union with one another as brothers and sisters. In Africa, Russia, Ukraine, various parts of the world, those who are joined in a living union with Christ, they are in union with us as brothers and sisters. But we also must speak about the church locally. You see, the local church is a local expression of that universal church. Those who are born again of the Holy Spirit and come together to worship God, they, they do so on the basis through the living head because they want to exalt the living head, praise the living head, rejoice in the living head. Don't forget about Christ. Don't forsake Christ. Why? Because he's the living head. And you're in union with him. Remember what Paul says here in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 9. He, he, he speaks about um, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Onesimus was a runaway slave. Did he steal something from his master called Philemon? The Lord knows. But when he got to Rome, he repented. He received Christ. And now he's, he's returning. But he, he belonged to Colossae, where Philemon was. And, 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 and Paul says, he's one of you. Why? What does that mean? He's, 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 he's in saving union with Christ. And therefore he is joined to the church locally. He is received into the fellowship. Remember, the head controls the body. If the body doesn't respond to the directions and leading of the head, then you've got big problems. He is the head of the church. You know, if that's true, then you're under his lordship. See, many people want to divide Christ, Savior and Lord, Receive him as Savior, get an insurance policy, have a protection from hell. Uh, but obeying him as Lord, um, no, I'll not obey him as Lord. Many just have a profession. Many children have made prayers, they've come to Christ, they've called upon him. But it's not just a matter of coming to Christ and calling upon him. There has to be a continuation with Christ because our life is in him. If you think of a married relationship, a person can be legally married on a particular given day. But in that uh, married relationship, then they grow in that relationship. They, they spend time with each other. They, they talk and they share. And they grow and develop in their love. And they work out all their problems together. And there's many problems in the life of the church among brothers and sisters. Because we're all different. Because we're all sinners. And we've got to work them out by the grace and help of God. And I can tell you, we're not holding the head if we live in sin happily and contentedly, and if we're not convicted and troubled about that sin, we're not holding the head if we live like the devil. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and verse 9, a very, very telling statement. He's speaking about uh, what uh, know ye not, uh, the unrighteous, and then he tells us what they're not going to inherit. Uh, listen to these words, what Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. If you live in sin, 
even though you've made a profession and you've prayed a prayer in the past and you claim Jesus as your Savior, but he's not your Lord and you're not obeying him and you're not living to serve him, then we've got a fundamental problem. Because Paul says here very, very clearly, know ye not that the unrighteous, the man who lives unrighteously, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Not only were they ignorant of the head, his identity, and ignorant of the head's supremacy as Lord and King, but they were ignorant of the head's sufficiency. Look again at our text. Not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands of nourishment ministered. Knit together increases with the increase of God. You see, here's the blessings that comes from the head. If the head is sufficient, then he'll supply all that we need. What does we need? We need nourishment. Well, we're told here the body is held together by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered. In other words, the individual is passive. And the nourishment is being ministered to them in a continuous sense. Does the Bible not teach that we're fearfully and wonderfully made? Nourishment, the muscles, the sinews, the nerves, the tissues, the ligaments, they all work together wonderfully. And this nourishment to the physical body through this joints and bands comes to us via the head. Our brain sends out a signal. There's a little... um, thing in our brain that's about the size of a pea that sends out that signal. I can't just remember the name of it. But, but, but it all comes from the head. And it's the head that supplies the nourishment to the rest of the body so that the joints and bands all work together. Is our Lord Jesus Christ not the bread from heaven? Is he not the honey out of the rock? Is he not the true vine? You see, if you're cut off from the head, you're not holding the head, you have no nourishment. And these joints and bands, of course, could be applied to us in a spiritual sense. The graces of the Holy Spirit. What flows from Christ, the head of the church? Faith and love and forgiveness and help and kindness and and fellowship and prayer. See, the body has to be sustained. The body will not feed itself. It's not an autopilot. The nourishment must be ministered. It must be fed, it must be edified, it must be helped. Not taking food by itself. It feeds on the living head who is Christ. So here's one of the blessings. Here's his sufficiency. He provides nourishment to us to help us in the Christian life through these graces of the Spirit. There's another blessing and that's unity. Notice the words, and knit together. We'll pause there for a moment. You see, the body acts in unity. The head sends the signal down and the arm goes. Or you lift your leg or you walk or you talk. See, what what, what is the parts of the body doing? They're, They're obeying the signal from the head. But the body that doesn't act in unity, it's not holding to the head. And is there not, sad to say, the devil's at the back of it. So is the power of sin. A lot of disunity today in the church of Christ. And and someone rises up to do harm to the church of Christ. That someone's not holding to the head. Because the head brings us together. We're we're knit together in a precious unity. 
I often think of Paul and Barnabas in the Bible. Remember, they fell out over the missionary boy called John Mark, who was Barnabas's nephew. And there was a big disagreement. They didn't see eye to eye. And John Knox, or, or John Mark went with them in the first missionary journey. And I think when they got to Cyprus, or before that, then he, he, he went back home. And there was a big disagreement behind them. And then whenever Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on the second missionary journey, that's when the disagreement arose. And, and, and Paul refused. Now, maybe Paul had good reason to refuse, but you know what? We don't read in the Bible of them having a time of prayer. We don't read of, read of them getting down on their knees and crying out to God, help us, give us wisdom. You, you see, this unity will be broken if we do not hold the head. We come from diverse backgrounds. We're not going to see eye to eye in everything. There's going to be differences. There's going to be disagreements. But let's do nothing that endangers the unity of Christ's church. The unity of Christ's church is precious. And what do we do when there's a disagreement? Well, we bow the knee. We, we, we cling to him. We wait on him for light and wisdom. We don't want our way. It's not us doing our thing. There's a precious unity among the brethren. Don't bypass the authority of Christ. Let's remember he has knit us together. It's not my way, it's Christ's way. And, and we can have differences and we can set them to the one side for the glory and the honor of Christ. How many present their argument and they do so in the energy of the flesh and they forget about the spirit of unity? And it's so precious, but it's so easy broken. I'm not talking about a false ecumenical unity. I'm talking about a real spiritual unity that's Christ. But anything that causes division in the body of Christ, whether it's pride, regardless of what type of sin it is, the bottom line is this. They're not submitting to the head. Because it's the head that knits us together. One final thing. Here's another blessing. There's a growth, it says, increases with the increase of God. Personal growth. Maybe you're here this morning and you're listening to me and you've sinned. What should you do? You should go to Christ and confess your sin and plead the blood and ask for fresh cleansing. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, but I've got no strength to carry on. What am I going to do, Pastor? Well, you go to Christ. He's the bread of life. He's the true vine. He'll supply all the nourishment and strength that you need. Maybe you're saying, but all I see is darkness. I've got no light. I, I, I have to be guided. Well, will you go to Christ? Because Christ is the light of the world. You can call on him to, 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 to guide. Maybe you're saying, but I need protection. I need somebody to defend me. I'm feeble. I, I'm weak. Well, in Christ, you can be made strong. He's the one who will defend you from the enemy. What about the storms of life? Remember the time he told the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side? Who put them in that situation? When the storm arose, Christ did. Why? So that they could see Christ. And their faith could be strengthened, even though it was weak and feeble for a time. Isn't it great to... See a newborn baby in a family. To see a baby begin to grow. We've got Amelia Rose with us here. And she's eight months now. See, there's a bodily increase. And, and the body grows. 
And the body can renew itself because the, the body's a living organism. And, and this church needs growth. And we're looking for outward growth. We're looking for new families. We're looking for young people. We're looking for children. We're looking for the Lord to help us. But we also need upward growth. And upward growth is maybe more important than even outward growth. Because upward growth is a likeness of Christ. And that's often overlooked. A holy life. Holiness of heart and life. It's hard to measure. But it's real. But we'll never grow to the point where we'll say, well, we don't need him. We'll never outgrow him. We'll never grow to the point where we say, we're not in dependence on him. Because the reality is we are. We'll never grow to the point where we say, I no longer need to cling to him. You see, in Christ, you're not only joined in saving union with the living head, but you're also part of Christ's body, which is the church. And while we're dependent on him, there's an interdependence on each other. We are part of a a, a growing, functioning body. God, me, and my brothers and sisters closely joined together. Doesn't the devil play in weak Christians? Oh, that we could realize there's no head but Christ. And Christ brings us to God and we're accepted in him. And, and there's no head but Christ because Christ is preeminent in every realm. And, and, and the church meets under his government, under his authority. We're, we're only sons and daughters under Christ in, in a saving union and oneness with him. These Christians in Colossae, they were instructed not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands of nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Here's a statement of fact. These false teachers, ignorant of Christ's identity, ignorant of Christ's supremacy, ignorant of Christ's sufficiency, they forgot these blessings. The blessing of having uh, this organic union where they had nourishment ministered to them. They forgot being knit together in a precious unity and they forgot to grow all because they didn't hold the head. This is only the first point. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless us to you. We'll finish this chapter next week in the will of God.